Good morning, New Life Church. I'm so happy you're here this morning. Did you get uh, that hour of sleep you're supposed to get? You know, us pastors, we, we love the invention of the iPhone because it means you have no excuses anymore. Your phone automatically updates itself, doesn't it? No more excuses. I slept through my alarm. That doesn't work anymore. I'm glad you're here. For some of you, I know this is your first time in church in a year, and it just feels good to be back, and it just felt really good there to hear the kind of those instruments cut out and just to hear our voices unified in worship of our God, and uh, what a good thing that is. Some of you heard the good news Friday that the government has amended their mandate, which allows us in this service, as long as you're seated, socially distanced, and not singing to be mask-free. It looks like most of you already knew that, and, which is good. And if you're still masked, you're welcome to stay masked, but you, are, you do have the freedom in this service to remove that as well if you like. So no one has ever accused me of being an overly cultured guy. I'm, I'm not really big into the arts, but I do love the orchestra. And one of the things I was excited about when Erica and I moved back to the area is we could go to the orchestra again. So once or twice a year, in normal times, we would love to go to the WSO and take in a show there because I don't know what it is about the orchestra, but I just find it stirring and beautiful and powerful. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I kind of wonder, what is it about the orchestra that just has that effect for me? And I think really can be summed up in the word harmony. Harmony. You know, what is an orchestra? An orchestra is that place where on that stage there's just a, a whole bunch of different instruments, right? You got the, you got the flutes, the flautists. I like that word. You've got, you've got the oboes. Is that an instrument? Does it have strings? I, don't, I have no idea what an oboe is, but there's oboes in the orchestra. And you've got, you've got the wind instruments, and you've got the stringed instruments, and you've got the brass instruments, and you even have that guy that plays the cymbal. I don't know how you become the cymbal guy or how long you've got to go to school to become the cymbal player in an orchestra, but there's all these different instruments that have different sounds and different textures, and they play different notes at the same time, and it's powerful. And that's called harmony. Harmony is when... You have, different, you have different sounds played simultaneously that have a pleasing effect. They all join together to become greater than the sum of their parts. That's harmony. Now, if the orchestra were just one instrument playing the same note over and over again, you would just call that a loud noise. What makes the, with the orchestra powerful is it's harmony, different instruments playing different notes that all work together to make something beautiful and powerful. You could never have if it was all one instrument playing all the same note. And I wonder if that's a picture of the church, if the church is to be kind of like a spiritual orchestra. I want to talk a bit about that this morning as we continue this series uh, where we're talking about identity. And maybe you've, you've been through this, uh, listened to enough sermons to know the big idea. Who wants to shout it out? Okay, I'll, feel, I'll do it for you, all right? Our big idea has been that uh, our truest identity, our deepest identity is found in who we are in Jesus Christ. Your truest self is who you are in 
Jesus Christ. And in this series, we're looking at all of these spiritual blessings that we receive from God through His Son, Jesus, that, to, that together comprise this strong sense of self that brings us significance and security and satisfaction. And so one by one, we're looking at these blessings. Last week, we found out that we are, as God's people, we are one in Christ. We are united in Jesus Christ. And one of the passages that we looked at last week was found in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses, we read verses 3 uh, to 6, where Paul said this, He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And you hear that word one over and over again. One, one, you are one, you have one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one Spirit, one mission united in Jesus. And then the very next word is the word but which you wouldn't expect in verse 7. But, like you might expect, so then, therefore. But Paul says, but, which is to say, given all of that, I don't want you to misunderstand when I'm talking about unity and our oneness. I don't want you to misunderstand what that means. But, we'll read uh, verses 7. But to each one of us, God has given grace as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And he's talking about Jesus there. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. But, this is what you need to know, each one of us has been given grace by Jesus as He apportioned it, as He gave it out. A variety of graces. Now that word grace there is translated in other places, gifts. Gifts. Same word. So some of you, you've been around church long enough, you've heard about spiritual gifts. Well, it's this word in the Greek, charisma. Charisma, grace, gifts. Do you have charisma? You know people who have charisma, right? They just have something. They're gifted people. But look what Paul says here. He says, each one of you has charisma. God has given you grace, gifts. To who? To each one of you. 
He's not just talking about the people he listed in verse 11, you know, prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, like though they're included, but he's talking about the verse 12 people when he says that he gave those leaders to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and made complete. Each of us has been given gifts to serve, to minister. So, uh, week by week in this series, we've been putting on labels, these labels that together comprise our identity, who we are in Christ. And so this morning, let's put this one on, okay? What we're going to find out this morning is that you in Christ are gifted. You ever thought about yourself as gifted? Would you have called yourself gifted? Like you know gifted people, but would you have thought of yourself as gifted? A person with charisma. Paul says each one of us has gifts given by Christ. So that's kind of the first point. Each of us has gifts. Now, if this church right now uh, were an orchestra, it would be easy to misunderstand what that meant to think of us as an orchestra right now. It, it, it might be natural to think, well, the people that come up here to lead in some capacity up here, they are the orchestra, and you are the audience for the orchestra, but that's not the biblical picture here. All of us, he says, are ministers, which is the reason I don't like the word minister to refer to a pastor, because it's not a biblical word for the pastor. It's the biblical word for each of you. You, in Christ, are ministers. God has gifted you with something for the good of the body to serve God and His purposes in the world. God has put an instrument in your hand. God has put an instrument in your hand to do ministry, to serve. As Paul says, um, that from Christ the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You are a part. You are a part. And so the, the picture that, that Paul uses here for the church isn't, isn't the picture of the orchestra, although I like that picture. He talks about the body as the picture of the church, like a human body. He says, we are the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. And each one of us is a part in this body. Each of us has gifts. And we're going to see here that each of us has different gifts. Paul will say in Romans chapter 8, or sorry, Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 4 to 8. Romans 12, 4, he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Here are these sort of gifts that God may have given to you, Paul says. The body has different parts, different gifts. Each of us has different gifts. Now, in the Bible, there are typically four different places where we have a list of these charismas, these spiritual gifts or graces from God. We looked at one, uh, Ephesians 4, this one, Romans 12, 
1 Corinthians 12, we'll look at that in a minute, and then 1 Peter 4 are these four lists, okay? And as you look at them, what, what you discover is that uh, no list, okay, has all the same gifts. There's not one gift that is on all four lists, and every single one of those lists has at least one gift that's not on any other list. And so I think what we're supposed to understand is that we're not supposed to just add up all the gifts that are itemized in these lists and compile the 17 gifts of the Holy Spirit as if God, when you became a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus, He went to the gift wall in heaven. There was a shelf. There were 17 jars. Each had a label. And He opened up a jar and He took out a gift, one of those 17, not 16 and not 18, but 17 gifts, and He put one in your life. And this is your gift. I don't think that's what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to understand this grace in its various forms that God gives to us. It's not a fixed list. It's open-ended. I think what we're going to see is it could be almost anything. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, we're told that marriage is a gift. Is marriage a gift, married men? Okay, if you're smart, this is where you nod vigorously. Yes, marriage is a gift. Okay, you hear that? Marriage is a gift. It's a grace of God for you to steward, married people. In the very same verse, he talks about singleness as a curse. No. He talks about singleness as a gift, a grace of God. So if you're single, you're not just waiting until you get a gift. Your singleness is a grace. It's a gift for you to steward. And so the same word is used a whole bunch of different places for a whole bunch of different gifts. It's open-ended. In fact, um, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so Peter talks about two different sort of gifts, graces. He talks about speaking and he talks about serving. He kind of lumps them all into one of these two sort of categories. You know, there, there's the speaking sort of gifts, right? Those, those that are called or, or equipped to teach or to preach or to do the ministry of encouragement or evangelism or to give wisdom or to be a counselor, right? Like some of you, you're, like your personality, you're just, you're just people people, right? You just want to talk. You just want to encourage people. When that new person comes to the door of the church, you just want to jump on them and you want to get to know them. And you want to show them love and build a relationship. You, you kind of want to be out front, right? And then there's others. But you don't want to be out front. Like You hate picking up the phone to make the phone call. But man, if you can be in the background, if you can busy your hands to support, to help, to organize, to fix, to cook meals for those that need support, to administer something in the background, to give. Peter says, that's a grace of God. It is a grace to speak. It is a grace to serve. Words and deeds. There was someone uh, who just a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, he said, God didn't call me to, to pastor, but he said, uh, my ministry is to fix cars. 
that's how, that, that's the gift God has given me. I'm really good at fixing cars. And I said, can you be my friend? I think we can have a great relationship. You can fix my car and I can preach to you. This is just going to be perfect. Right? But this is what I want us to understand. A gift is any combination of skills, abilities, passions, and personality that a believer uses for God's glory and for His purposes in the world, to serve God and to serve the church. Any combination of skills, abilities, passions, and personality can become a charisma, a gift when it is submitted and placed into the hands of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving God and serving others. So do you think of what you have as that? Your gifts, your experiences, your personality. You know, there's people like, that are just, like I'm one of those awkward guys in a conversation. Like some of you, like you know that, right? And some of you, you're, you're like that. Kind of, but then there's guys like, they just, they just make friends so easy. People just gravitate towards them. And I remember saying to a, a guy like that a while back, I said, you've got a gift. You just have this natural ability to kind of draw people and influence people and people want to use your friends. And that's, you have to understand, that's a gift from God to use, to steward, to build up others and to draw people to Jesus Christ. Do you think of your personality, your skills, your experiences, your passions as God's grace in your life? So what we, we need to know is that we are different by design, church. We are different by design. Our differences is what makes us strong, what makes us healthy. This is what Paul wants them to know when he says, but. Like when I use these, this word one, 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 don't misunderstand me to mean you all have to be the same and have the same gifts. No, that's not the way it is. God makes you different for a purpose by design. And so Paul will say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, you'll see verse 15 on the screen, but before that, verse 4, when he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Um, in verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many different kinds of parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye... I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Did you hear that? God has placed the parts, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As it is, there are many parts but one body, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And so, he's saying a few things there. He's saying you need others. He's saying, Christians, 
to, to, to be mature, to be complete, to be whole, to be all that God intends for you to be. You need others. He says the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye needs the foot. Right? I mean, if we were all just I, boy, we'd have really good vision and we'd be able to accomplish nothing. You need others by design, which is why God calls us together into church. Like a Christian who's trying to follow Jesus without actively participating in a church is like a severed hand off by itself. It doesn't make any sense. We need others, Paul says. And then he says, others need you. Others need you. God has made you different for a reason. He's given you a, a unique combination of skills and experiences and personalities and passions for the good of the body. The body needs you. Your difference is your gift. And sometimes we think of our difference as the thing that makes us unable, unlike others, as if that were a bad thing. And what he's saying is, no, just because your foot, not an eye, you don't say, I'm not a part of the body, I guess I have nothing to give. No, others need you. Your difference is your gift. So each of us has a gift. Each of us has different gifts. And thirdly, Paul says, each of us has significant gifts has significant gifts because we have a tendency to want to like rank or assign different abilities, right? Give them different values. But look what Paul says when he continues in verse 22, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, I don't know if it's up there, because I want you to say a word with me, make this kind of interactive. Okay. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, say it, dispensable, indispensable. Those that seem to be, not that are weaker, but they might have an apparent weakness. But he says those that might even seem to be weaker are not so, they are indispensable. And the parts that we think that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And I think he's talking about those parts of the body that are on the outside. We know exactly what they do, right? It's evident, their value, what they contribute. And he says there's other parts of the body, they work behind the scenes, they're on the inside. You, you don't really see, you don't know exactly all the ways it's contributing and all the impacts it's having. But boy, you need your kidneys, And your spleen, but not your appendix for some reason. We'll never figure that one out. So, so Paul says it's silly to compare the importance of gifts. Don't belittle what you have to give. God made you different by design. Your difference is your gift. Your difference is needed. It's silly to compare the importance of gifts because each gift has the same source. That is, the Spirit of God gives, gives all. And serves the same ultimate purpose, which is the building up the body to make it stronger, to make it better. When every part plays their part, it benefits the whole. We are better. We are stronger. And when each part plays its part, it experiences the significance and the satisfaction that each of us need. We all crave to live lives of significance and satisfaction, to know that we matter. Each of us has significant gifts, Paul says. And so the question that each of us need to be asking ourselves is, am I living my part or am I living apart? 
like a part one word, A-P-A-R-T, a part? Am I living my part or am I living a part? Because, you know, you, you, you can be present together without playing your part. Like, it, it would be wrong of us to just look at what's happening in this room and say, this is church. This is one small part of church. But church, you know, this picture of the church, it's not a picture of proximity, right? Of being close to one. It's, it's a picture of connectivity, of each one doing its part. And so, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this this morning. It's kind of a, a silly little illustration, but I know there's some kids here. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun to rip apart your kid's doll. To be honest, it is. You dad should try it. Like it is. This, this was a Frozen doll. Frozen took three years of my life. Three full years of my life it robbed from me. So I took it out on this doll. So what's the difference? Okay. Thanks, Daryl. What's the difference? One's, yeah, you're right. This one has all the same parts this one has. It's missing nothing, right? It's all there. What's the problem? The parts aren't connected to one another, are they? There's proximity, but there's no connectivity, right? This is not the church, okay? This is the church where each one of us recognizes that we are a part and that we are called to play our part. And when the hand is connected to the arm, which is connected to the shoulder, and the, the foot is connected to the leg, connected to the torso, and the ears are connected to the head, we are greater than the sum of our parts. We're called to be connected. And so back to that question, am I living my part or am I living a part? What are your gifts? How do you identify what, what part it is God calls you and has equipped you to play? I mean, we kind of run out of time here, but just a few, a few uh, suggestions I have for you. As you would think, well, what does that look like in my life to identify what I've, what I've been given? Ask those who know you well. Ask someone who knows you well, like, what do you see in me? What am I good at? What am I not good at? Maybe that, that's, a, that's a tougher question to ask. What am I good at? What do you see in me? Sometimes others can see that often. Usually others can see that better than we can see it ourselves because we tend to minimize ourselves and at times inflate ourselves. Ask those around you. Um, what do you enjoy? Ask, what do I enjoy? You know, our passions are often synonymous with our areas of gifts of God's grace. It's not like, man, I'm really passionate about this. Unfortunately, God gave me that gift which I don't like at all. As if somehow there's this disconnection. No, no, no. Your passion. Right? That gets you that energized. That fills you up instead of draining you. That is part of God's design for you to equip you to serve. So what do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? And alongside that, what bugs you? We can maybe help understand what our, our gifts might be if we understand, like, what really grates on you? I mean, you might walk into a church 
And, and uh, you see all these little, little groups of people, these little friend groups, cliques, all formed. And you look back and you see them, but there's other people on the edges. And they kind of seem to be isolated. And you go, huh, that's not right. I'm going to talk to the pastor. Hey, pastor, I think our church has cliques in it. Too many cliques. Not easy enough for those new people to get involved. Oh, you picked up on that. Okay. That's great. Maybe God is calling you to do something about it. Maybe God has gifted you with something because you have an awareness, you have a vision for something that other people just might not see because that's an area of gifting for you. So, I mean, that can be helpful just to ask ourselves, what, what bugs me? What annoys me? And then lastly, just try, li- live a life of service and allow God to steer you. If you're waiting to know exactly what part you are before you ever play any part, you'll probably never really know what part you are. Someone said to me once, Rusty, it's easier to steer a moving car than it is a parked car. You ever tried to steer the wheel of a parked car? You can turn the wheel, but it's hard. But if that car is moving even a little bit, you can turn that wheel like this because it is a lot easier to move and steer something that's moving than it is something that's stationary. So maybe that's what we need to do. Just be moving. When we see needs that we can help meet, like to serve, and as we serve, allow God to reveal what part He's calling us to play, how He's equipped us, what He wants us to do. Allow Him to direct us. Am I living my part or am I living a part? All right, we've come to the end of our time. I just want to say, like, this isn't like an advertisement for volunteering at New Life Church because the, mo- the majority of playing our parts isn't like a formal role, a formal title, right? Most of it's just kind of serving one another in an informal way as God allows us to. But man, this is a season of change for New Life Church, for any church. There's some things that we used to do that we're not going to do anymore, some things we didn't do that we're going to start doing, some things that we did, and it's been a year, and we're going to start doing them again, but people that did them back then, they just maybe feel like they've been out of it for a year. Maybe this is a good time for them to step aside from that thing and make opportunity for new people to come in. This is a season of change, which makes it a season of opportunity to step in, to serve, whether that's at our new tech board up there as we now live stream services and we need more people that are interested in tech to be involved in that ministry or hospitality team at, the, at our new resource center which in the next few months is going to get up and running. If you, if you like to kind of organize and administer, that might be a way for you to be involved or maybe a meals ministry. Maybe, maybe you'd like to be out front, but boy, can you cook? We've got a meals ministry team led by Monica Dieleman who's always looking for more people who can cook and support those that are going through loss in their life. Or maybe the outreach team that, that we're developing as we want to welcome everybody that moves into our community, our communities. We want to go and welcome them to their home and welcome them to our community. And maybe you're someone that just loves to meet new people. You love to build those connections. It just fits your personality. There are many ways to serve one another. And if you want to talk about that at all, then don't hesitate to reach out to any of us pastors, but especially Darren. Actually, probably Darren. Actually, don't talk to me at all. Just talk to Darren, okay? Now that I think of it. <laughs> but it's bad. We, we, I mean, we'd love, to, uh, uh, we'd love to help you find, to the degree that we can, um, 
a fit. So we, each of us, we can play our part for the good of the whole. So church, you are gifted. Put it on. You are not not gifted. You are gifted in Christ. You have unique gifts. You have significant gifts. Ours as a church, are we going to be using our gifts? Are we going to steward what God has given us? What a beautiful picture that would be for God just to look down on His church, New Life Church, and just see all of these people with the various instruments that He has given them all playing different notes at different times all together to make something that is far more beautiful than the sum of its parts. So as the team comes up here to lead us in one final song here, I just invite you into a moment of prayer. If you just want to bow your head and close your eyes, just take a moment to thank God that He has given you gifts. Thank God for His, His grace to you in your life through Jesus. And after you take a moment to thank God, just say, God, I want to be a good steward of the graces that you have placed into my life. I want to use them for your glory and to build up the church, serve your people. God, show me how I can be a good steward of the grace that you have given to me. Father God, some of us have put ourselves in a box for a very long time, whether because of insecurity or some other reason, maybe thinking that uh, we don't have any gifts or maybe minimizing or uh, denigrating the gifts that you've given us and, uh, and not being willing to step out and to address, to fill that need that we see. And Lord, if, uh, if it's up to each one of us to place ourselves perfectly in our place of gifting, in what you have for us, then we're not going to find the right fit. And if it's up to any one other person, a pastor or a church, uh, to find for us exactly that right spot, then we're not going to become that orchestra, that body that you have for us. And we're so thankful for your Holy Spirit, that because of your Holy Spirit, we can be perfectly placed day by day, even in those moments when we don't feel adequate to the situation, to the need, that because of your Holy Spirit directing us, we can speak with divine inspiration, that we can be used by you in all kinds of different ways. And so, Lord, each one of us right now, we just make ourselves available. Uh, we open our, our lives to you, and we say, here I am. Here I am, Father. Send me. Use me. And Lord, in this moment, I pray that uh, you would be speaking by your Holy Spirit, that, that you would be making known to us areas in our own lives, which maybe we haven't seen up until this moment, areas in this church body, areas in our neighborhoods, where we could be stepping in Bake a loaf of bread for somebody. Give them some cookies. Make a phone call. Whatever it is, Lord, we say, here I am. Send me. Make of us a body, each of us fearfully and wonderfully made.
in Jesus' name. Amen.